0: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
2: Will Vincent Company ever manage City? Is City better off with Alvarez up front? And do we have any pre match superstitions? Coming up, we'll answer all of your questions and more. It's Thursday, January 19th. I'm Adam Booker. I'm John Ashley. And this is the City Report podcast.
0: Unbelievable! Manchester United won, Manchester City six. It's two for Jekyll.
1: Tottenham Hotspur three, Manchester City four possible
2: possible hello john welcome back to the show it's been a while obviously bittersweet with the the winding down of made road ramble but it does mean that we get to have you on the show more frequently so so that's good news
3: yeah i'm i'm really excited to be here i'm excited for you know 20 25 minute podcasts rather than
2: kind of an hour and five minutes that i don't have to edit anymore as well it's brilliant yeah, as a, as a working family man, you get to pass the pass the buck off to everybody else. So how are things up in what I imagine is a very chilly northeast? Uh, it's been pretty mild the last couple of days, but I think we're going to get dumped like five, seven inches of snow tomorrow. So yeah, it's about par. All right, we've got a lot of listener questions to get through. Chose, looks like four of the best out of the handful that we got before we we chat about Tottenham a little bit. So I'll start here. This question comes from Luke and it's it's a big one. Will Vincent company ever become City's manager and will Pep become England's? Now Luke, I love the question. I'm going to disregard the part about Pep becoming England's manager because I think it's so far fetched. However, the company one is is a bit of a discussion. And, and as far as the, the two founders of the City Report podcast, Amos and I strongly disagree on this one. So I want to hear what you have to say about this, John.
3: Um, I mean, the question is will or should. Um, yeah. Will he? Um, possibly. I think if he continues to play the kind of football that he's playing uh, or that his, that his team is, is, is playing in, in the Premier League um, and, and kind of get success with Burnley there then obviously he he's going to be kind of talked about in the same conversation as City but should he in my opinion absolutely not never um, and simple reason is that his legacy is as close to perfect as you can get for any player you know he In his final season as city captain, they won everything domestically. Absolutely everything. In his last ever home game, he's a centre half. He scored a thirty-yard winner into the top corner. Like that, he dropped the mic. You know when he when he uh, when he left the club. I mean, like there's no there's no way I don't that, that he can improve on that legacy especially in the the wake of pep you know if pep hadn't happened um and city had somehow done that and then they'd gone into the wilderness for a bit and then company had come in that's different but when you when you factor everything together not for me
2: yeah the emotional side of me agrees with you the logical side of me says that under perfect circumstances i'd be okay with seeing it and I think obviously there's always the Frank Lampard comparison. You know, he had an amazing Chelsea career, goes back as the manager, sp- fails spectacularly. Um, and, you know, there was there was rumblings of did it tarnish his legacy at the club and so on and so forth. And I know that Amos uses that example a lot when, when we kind of bicker on this subject. For me with Vinny, there is... A much higher level than than what Frank Lampard achieved as a manager before he got the Chelsea job. You know, he essentially went from what a youth coach at Derby to the senior team coach at Derby, straight to to Chelsea. If Vinny works his way up, and by the time he's being talked about as a potential manager at City, he's you know maybe managed a team in Europe in 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 another league, or you know just shown us that he can do it at a much higher level than than Derby County if he comes in solely on merit and not just who he was, not the statue out front, I'm okay with it because it's a great emotional story to have a club legend, a guy with a statue out front manage the club, but that he's got to come in on merit. It can't just be because of who he is.
3: I I can see your logic there, but I would also say that because of that statue out front, because of his emotional connection to the club. Obviously he has been a leader of the team before as well. So he he does have that going for him too. But for me him managing City from his perspective is going to be so different to him managing any of the other sides that he's that he's managed. I know that he 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 has history with Andalect, but City is his team uh, and I just, I I can't get away from the fact that that is going to, you know, it would be a a wonderful narrative, um, but it's very difficult to to kind of even think of in in modern times a, a... a situation where that has been successful. You mentioned Lampard. I mean, Roberto Di Matteo. That was only a really a short-term thing, and they kind of got lucky with that 2012 Champions League win at Chelsea. I mean, City fans were devastated when he left United. So,
2: I, yeah. But yeah. here's my thing: is you're listing managers that didn't really have a long successful track record I, I, I I'm not talking about Vinny coming in and and succeeding Pep you know I, I could be I could be talking 10 years down the line when he's he's gone from you know Burnley to to Southampton to Everton to you know Borussia Dortmund and manage them in the Champions League or something like that it doesn't have to be this meteoric rise to City
3: uh, that's that's fair and that's that's kind of more more of a hypothetical and you know I'm I'm enjoying really looking out for teams because Vinny's their manager at the moment. You know, I've been following Burnley pretty closely this season, which is something that I'd never thought I'd say. Yeah, and and, and enjoying following them and, as well. And in, yeah, precisely. It's been it's been brilliant, uh, and you know, I, I think I would be. I would be so nervous. I I would be like more nervous than I usually am watching city if I was so emotionally invested with the manager as well.
2: Yeah. 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 That makes total sense. Uh, Appreciate the question, Luke. We'll move on to the, to the playing side of things. We got this question from Charlie Owens. Charlie asks, are city better off with Holland or Alvarez up front? Now, Obviously this has been kind of a hot topic in the last few weeks with Holland being in a little bit of a slump if you can call it that I think it's 3 3 games without a goal now. Um and you know there's been you know, big conversations on BBC and Sky Sports about you know Holland has made it harder for this team to be a unit and and Alvarez would fit in to this specific team better. Obviously Holland is a generational talent. Um I'm going I'm going to take this one first because a few episodes ago, Amos made me answer in one, with a one-word answer, is Harry Kane a better fit for this team than Erling Holland?" And I didn't get to explain myself because I only had one word. I think that Erling Holland and City will be the greatest partnership and, and duo. I mean, that's not really a duo, but I think it will be <laughs> the greatest partnership that the Premier League has ever seen down the line. We're not there yet. Um, I don't think the first what are we six months seven months in to to the Holland tenure uh, the Holland era. I don't think that you can can judge it based off that at this moment. Yeah, there's there's strikers that would fit this team better. But I think if this team figures out how to play with Holland, or you know potentially two years down the road, a new manager comes in and builds the entire team around Holland as opposed to you know trying to fit Holland into a system then it's all about him and and he can thrive as what we think is is the best striker in the world. So I think this question is always is always Haaland, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say.
3: I mean the numbers speak for themselves. Um but I I think there's been like kind of an unfair focus on on Haaland's slump in form recently when when you look at the other players who Play well when Haaland is scoring a lot. Um, you look at Kevin De Bruyne, who you know has had a slump by by his standards, and it's kind of beginning to be by kind of anyone's standards in terms of his passing. Phil Foden has not been great since we got back from the World Cup, um, and then you know when when Jack Grealish gets on the pitch, on the gets on the pitch, for example. City and and Haaland look a lot more dangerous like it's for me it's it's not about necessarily the system it's more about the, the the individuals in that system and how there's several playing you know quite significantly below what we what we've come to expect of them right now and I just I think Haaland has continued to do what he's done all season. There were several times on, on, on Saturday where he made really great runs and the City players weren't prepared to take the risks to, to try and, and pass him and play him in. So I, I agree, it's Haaland. Uh, and, but that's that's not to kind of dismiss Julian Alvarez at all. I, I think he's going to be incredible and he is already a brilliant, brilliant player, but he just doesn't offer what Haaland can at, at
2: the moment. Yeah, I I think I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I think that Haaland's slump right now is a failure of the system, and anyone who's listened to this podcast for the last couple of weeks will know that I am, I've put a lot of the blame of City's kind of sticky patch right now on Pep Guardiola and the fact that, yes, there are players out of form, but I think a, a, a large part of that is down to the fact that he's doing so much tinkering and changing of the system and personnel, and it's really, really hard for players to get into any sort of rhythm. They may be out of form, but if you're fighting you know, a, a battle on two fronts, a new system and out of form, it's just going to slow you, slow you down as far as getting into a rhythm. And I think when you talk about these moments in which City players aren't playing balls over the top to Holland or in between the lines or... You know, we saw in the Derby him making all sorts of runs off of the shoulder of Luke Shaw and Rafa Varane, and and kind of you know drop his head in frustration when you know Kevin De Bruyne would turn around and pass it back to a center back or whoever it might be. Um, so, I think that obviously the answer to this question is Holland is is the number one choice there over Alvarez. I think there's still a world in which you play them together. You l- you look back at. 2017-18 when when Aguero and Jesus played together a few times. And it worked really well. I can remember um, a 5-0 win against Liverpool at home, um, mm-hmm. opening day game against Brighton. I think they both played together and, and both scored. Um, so there is a world in which you make that work. Now, obviously, Julian Alvarez and, and Erling Haaland are wildly different players to Gabby Jesus and, and Sergio Aguero. Um, but there is a world in which they, they both play together if you've got the personnel around them to do that, I just think at the moment we don't have the personnel around them. We don't have the you know tech, technical wing backs we once did, like a certain he who shall not be named, um, and and players like that 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 made it so we could play that system. But I think that world still exists.
3: Yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, you know, I, I think back even further pre-Pep to Ed Dzeko and Sergio Aguero and how well they kind of played as, as a foil to, to one another at times as well. You know, if if, if the quick explosive Aguero didn't get you, then Dzeko D- 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 kind of spr- sprinting in at the back post um, would. So I would be interested to see them play up top more from, from the get-go. But... Uh, The amount of control that that potentially sacrifices is is not
2: is is the reason it's probably not going to happen very often and just just right there pep guardiola is shaking in his boots at a potential at the thought of a potential lack of control um all right we'll move on from that question thank you charlie we'll move on to cammy's question cammy asks do you think city needs someone pacey on the wing this is an interesting one for me, another one that's kind of a hot topic at the moment with what some people believe is is a set of one-dimensional wingers that we have in, in Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez, Jack Relish, Cole Palmer. Um, there's obviously been talks of people like Raphael Leal and wingers like that. Um, what do you make of this, John? Because I think that city would benefit from somebody Pacey on the wing, but I don't think somebody Pacey, and and obviously people are going to look back at Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sané and wingers like that. I don't think that type of winger fits into the way that Pep wants to play at the moment.
3: No, I don't think it it fits in to to, to Pep's current game plan and and tactics either. And it comes down to that word control again. It comes down to... Is... you know, I, I think back to the Newcastle game uh, back in, back in August when City kind of did play really, you know, fast flowing. We're, we're going to make those runs. We're going to get to the bylines and make crosses. Uh, we created a ton of chances, but every attack was thirty seconds or less, and then Newcastle had the ball. So that's that's not going to fly <laughs> under Pep, um, doesn't make for exciting football all the time. But I, I think, and I said right at the start of this season, this is a, a team in transition and it, it is going to take time. Uh, and, you know, th- we, we may see a significant amount of turnover in in the summer that that, that maybe extends that or maybe kind of gets the right personnel in as you said you know those those technical fullbacks to, to provide overlap and width and kind of uh, a left footer on the left and a right footer on the right to put balls into the box for, for how and things but yeah for, for
2: me fullbacks are a, a, a bigger priority yeah, I fully agree. Like, like I said, I think that City would benefit from somebody that is a Leroy Sané, Raheem Sterling type player. We saw, obviously, in the Villa game last year, the difference that Raheem Sterling made when when things were kind of turgid and he comes on and immediately provides a spark and starts taking his man on. And it, and it can give you another dimension when you need it. Um, but I think the way that Pep Guardiola is trying to set up his team these days um, anybody that plays like Raheem Sterling or or Raphaël or Sane is not going to see much of the pitch. All right, we'll move on to this final question before we we look ahead to the Spurs game, and I think it's a perfect question before we look ahead to the Spurs game. John, do you have any pre-match superstitions? Now, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you two answers here because you also play football yourself. Yes. Well, yes yes at, at some level at some level yes um and then obviously you are a city supporter so do you have different superstitions for watching football versus playing football and what are those superstitions
3: yeah i think um i definitely have pre-match superstitions when i'm playing i have in-game superstitions or I, we'll get to that in a minute when, when I'm watching uh, and and when I'm watching on TV going to the game in person is a completely different animal mm-hmm. altogether so when I'm playing uh in, in the warm-up like I have to like score once at least if, if I don't like I need to just like I'm just getting balls and getting balls and the rest game really annoyed with me because they want to start and I'm just i just need to I just need to score um which probably gives it a, a, an idea of the level that i play at <laughs> and but when i'm watching games uh the only superstition that i have when i'm watching on tv is if, if city get a penalty um i leave the room and um, because i think you know city's penalty record under guardiola has been pretty abysmal uh but also the number of penalties that I decided to then watch. And, and I, you know, I give it a go and we always seem to miss those. So uh, we've got a better record when I don't watch them when I do.
2: Yeah. I think those are, those are pretty tame superstitions. My, my superstitions are kind of weird because this may sound like an oxymoron, but my, my superstitions are constant, but ever changing. And what I mean by that is my, I, I pick a superstition kind of at random and, based on my gut telling me that it is affecting the game whether that's the beer i'm drinking or the side of the couch that i'm sitting on or the shirt i'm wearing and if i if my gut decides that day that that is affecting the outcome of a game then i i roll with that until my gut no longer tells me that for instance anyone who knows this anyone who listens to this podcast knows i always bring up hockey the one time my team has won the stanley cup my girlfriend and i watched Every single playoff game all the way until lifting the cup. And for anyone who doesn't know, that's over like months. You play months of playoff games. We had a a revolving cast of, of beers, couch cushions, and positions that we sat in in the room that would change period by period based on how the team was playing. That's kind of how I am with City as well. If the first half is not going well, I'm changing my shirt. I'm switching where I'm sitting you know, if I had my feet up on the table, my feet are coming down and I make a conscious effort and to, to make these changes. Um, so that might be a little batshit crazy, but something inside of me tells me that I'm affecting things. So I'll continue to do it. You do you, man, more, more power to you. All right. That'll do for part one. In part two, we will look ahead to the Spurs game this evening. All right, John. Unfortunately, we do have to watch City play football this evening. Um, It hasn't been fun as of late. However, this is a chance, a game against a big six team at home. Um, You know, you've got United and Arsenal playing this weekend, potentially both of these two title competitors taking points off of each other. There is a chance for City to make a statement. Um, Just general question. Do you feel like they're going to make a statement? I, I'm not
3: sure if they'll make a statement I am oddly confident that we will win having been not very confident after Saturday I'm I'm kind of gradually
2: confident now yeah I think this this team has shown too much over the years and and yes this is a transition season and there's new players in in important positions but the spine of this team—your your Diazes, De Bruyne's, Foden, Stones, Laporte—they've shown too much over the years for me to not feel like they can dig themselves out of this. And and I think it's what three games, three league games without a win. Am I right in saying we won at Chelsea? I don't know. I've I've got the stats somewhere in my head, but um, I
3: think I think this would be the third if we didn't win.
2: Yeah, and I don't think that's happened in the pep era since 2016-17, or it hasn't happened at all. Um, I'm a really, really good podcast host because I didn't write any of the statistics down that i made a mental note of bringing up. Um, but this team has just shown too often to overcome these hurdles in, in title races, and this is the time of year. We keep saying this, and we might just be saying this until May, but this is the time of year when City make a statement, turn things around, go on a winning run and and kind of, you know, remind everybody why they've been the most dominant team of of the modern Premier League era. Um, however, I can only keep telling myself that twenty-four hours before a match so many times.
3: Yeah. I, I think that there is there is more doubt as to which city will turn up in this season than since 2019 20, 19, 20. Uh, you know since then we've we've been mostly a machine and the uh, i think the the absence of that is is kind of making a lot of people nervous i think including the players as well but uh, you know with, with this with this fixture as well Spurs at home has just become or Spurs in general has just become this it's the same game every time. City dominate, we create lots and lots of chances. We have great XG. Spurs score every shot on target that they have. And 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 somehow maybe score shot on targets shots on targets that, that they don't have as well. I think that's happened as well. So it's yeah. Um you know, I, I think last season uh, we, we City came into the Spurs at home, the Spurs game at home, and they'd not lost in fifteen Premier League games, and so I, I think the nerves were a different kind there. I think this time, having you know our most recent Premier League defeat was last game, we we might see a response. We often do after a defeat, so I'm confident. Are you kind of, are, are you actually confident or are you just telling yourself that you're confident?
2: I think I'm still stuck in like 2021, meaning that, that when City didn't win games back then, they still gave themselves a chance in every game. They created loads of chances. You know, the, the classic City loss for three or four years was create loads of chances, take none of them. And your opposition creates one or two, takes both of them, and you lose the game 2-1 or 2-0. Um, the difference for me is we're not creating this chances anymore. We're not, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, steaming teams from, from a run-of-play sense and totally controlling the game, controlling the possession, creating loads of big chances. And you know, back then it was create 20 and have Jesus and, and Sterling miss 16 of them. Um, whereas now it's create one, create two. If those don't go in, you are kind of out of options, and if you can see the other way, you know you are not going to get a result. and And that's the way I've been feeling for for months now. Really, is they just don't create enough to give themselves a chance to win the game. And if flukes happen going the other way, you know, I go all the way back to the Liverpool game, and I think it was October, maybe September, somewhere around then. That. You know, City didn't create much, tried to control everything, and a fluke goal, Salah over the top, Cancelo steps in and, and they win the game 1-0. Um, the United game, you don't create much, you take your one opportunity, yes, and then a fluke happens, you lose the game. Uh, that's my fear at the moment. Is I don't think City blow teams away enough to make me feel confident in if it's tight, you know, if if we're not creating loads of chances, I, I tr- at the moment weirdly I trust Spurs to take their chances before we take our chances, and I think that's kind of gnawing away at my my confidence a little bit. But with that being said, I think City make a statement and win the game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're confident
3: in your gut to be entirely wrong? Yes. Okay. Essentially, yeah.
2: Which which I'm which I'm happy with, and. Mm. um I think I can't lose here. Either my prediction is correct or my gut is correct.
3: I don't know. I'm not sure how getting a prediction that City will lose correct is much consolation. But you, again,
2: you do you, man. <laughs> Listen, I am not an optimist. We know this. I'm not an optimist. But with City in the, these past few years, I've had loads of optimism for a reason. And I have been drained of all of it this season. Um before we get out of I'm here. The, I'm the
3: other way around, by the way. I'm the other way around. Like, when we were great, I'm like, it's going to go wrong. It's going to go wrong. And now we're not looking as good. I'm like, we'll be fine. We'll win the league.
2: Yeah, well, I don't know who I want to be right in this situation because I'm I'm confused by everything I've said at this point. So um, before we get out of here, super quick lineup prediction. Who who would you go with? It, which obviously this differs from what Pep may do, but who would you yeah. go with in this situation?
3: Um, obviously Edison in goal back four of I think Rico Lewis is earned a start uh, center half partnership Diaz and Ake sorry Stones and Ake um, left back Cancelo I thought he did well against United actually uh, Rodri De Bruyne Gundogan Mares, Harland
2: Grealish okay a few a few differences for me I think I think I'm going I, I'm desperate to see the Stones Diaz partnership back together um obviously in our in our group chat today Joe was bringing up the fact that he likes to see the left-footed right-footed partnership at at center back but I just can't help but think you know we've been leaking goals I'd like to see that defensive solidity again and I think Diaz is the man to kind of lead that from the back um Basically, everything else I'm happy with. Rico Lewis and Kyle Walker, I'm a bit, I really, really, really want the Rico Lewis era to begin, but I really don't want the Kyle Walker era to end. And obviously, one can't exist without the other. So I'm kind of torn on the whole Rico Lewis thing because I'm not ready for Kyle Walker to lose a step, essentially. Um, And I'm still kind of feeling like, I'm kind of hoping that, you play him back into form, although it's it's not really happening at the moment. Um, but other than that, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with everything else going forward. So we'll hope that one of the many predictions made in the last four minutes comes true. Um, and yeah, if you're a new listener, because I think we do have a lot of new listeners, thanks to you, Andrew, and Joe, bringing some people over from the Main Road Ramble. If you enjoyed the show, please hit the follow, subscribe button, hit the like, leave a rating, leave a review. That's the best way for us to get the show out to blues just like you. John, any last words? Two One City tomorrow. Love it. Later.